Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Millions are suffering across the world under catastrophic, unexpected floods. People are going to space on their own dime. Ancient viruses are being dug up, and cold cases are being cracked. And we didn't even mention the wildfires. And we did not mention the wildfires. There's also a new terrifying study about COVID-19 that everybody needs to hear in today's strange news segment. But first, what do you say we go to cold cases? Because we've spent a lot of time on this show talking about the ways in which widespread forensic DNA analysis has cracked cases including sexual assault cases, murder cases, and so on, that have for years and decades been left gathering dust. Uh, Matt, this, this first story today is pretty close to you because it ties into a show that you yourself executive produced. Yes, you're right. It 
has to do with Atlanta Monster, uh, the Atlanta Missing and Murdered Children case, or the Atlanta Child Murders, as, as it's also known. What I have to tell you today is not a major breakthrough, but it is very promising, I would say, in terms of hopefully finding some new answers or strengthening a case or building an entire new one. So the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, she made an announcement about 10 days ago as we record this. And I'm going to read you what she said, guys, and we can maybe jump out and discuss as we go along this announcement. She said, before the pandemic, we reopened the investigation into the Atlanta missing and murdered children case, which was in 2019, by the way. They officially, the city of Atlanta reopened the case to study all of the evidence and to see if there's new DNA that could be tested. She says, uh, Part of the reasoning here is the DNA testing 40 years later. If there's anything else they could take a look at and see if they could test it. She says a few things have happened since we reopened this thus far. Investigators have methodically reviewed an estimated 40% of the collected evidence to determine which items can be submitted for additional processing to a private lab. And on June 21st, they've moved forward with that processing. So that was June 21st of this year, 2021. And They are not going to share the names of the victims from whom the DNA has been extracted because there were 28 to 30 victims, depending on what you consider the list of victims to be. So the DNA evidence that they have found for new testing could be from any of those victims. And that includes the two adult victims from the very end of the initial investigation into the Atlanta missing and murdered children. Keisha Lance Bottoms says this private lab has extensive experience in the field of analyzing deteriorated DNA and has a successful history in providing evidence in high profile nationwide murder cases. So that right there, just first of all, is very promising to me, just knowing that the city of Atlanta itself is looking into this and taking actual steps. And it seems as though they must have been taking these steps even throughout the pandemic Mm -hmm. and throughout quarantine, because there is so much evidence that's been collected in this case. If they've already looked through 40% of that, we're on good track, I would say, to having all of the evidence looked at to see if there's anything new that can be tested. So that right there is a good start, right? Another really interesting thing the mayor said is that the fiber evidence in every one of the individual cases, they're considering it 30 cases within this larger case, In every one of those, the fiber evidence has been reanalyzed. That whole thing is a very crucial part of the original case and the case against, or not the case against Wayne Williams, but the circumstantial evidence put forward to link Wayne Williams to the the children's murders within the Atlanta child's murders case. Uh, the whole thing is very complicated. Again, if you're really interested in in this case, go listen to Atlanta Monster. It lays everything out there for you. It's in the, the late 1970s, early 1980s, when a series of children were abducted and killed in Atlanta. Um, but the fiber evidence, you guys, that's something that I think we've actually, yeah, we talked with Payne about that on this show before. Yep. The green carpet fiber evidence that was a big part of this case. I just wonder if you guys have any thoughts on that. When we talked with Payne, that evidence seemed very circumstantial, but at the same time seemed pretty strong, at least if you talk to the the FBI officers who were involved and some of the APD officers. Yeah, I personally thought it was uh, pretty significant. I also 
one of the great controversies regarding the case of Wayne Williams is the idea that was pursued and packaged by the media of the time that he being guilty of a few homicides would therefore make him guilty of all the mm. homicides that were pinned on him. Uh, but that does not, that that was presented as a waterproof case, yet time would prove this all or nothing assumption was incredibly incorrect. You know, one thing I liked about the way Atlanta Monster approached this story is that the writers of that show were careful to present these other possibilities, these counter narratives, which should not be dismissed as conspiracy theories. There is circumstantial evidence, yes, but compelling circumstantial evidence that the story remains untold uh, to completion today. And, you know, to be honest, Williams was not helping himself very much uh, once he was incarcerated. Uh, he had, I don't know how much of the story we want to tell on air. Uh, do check out the show. But uh, he had several things in the past that clearly, clearly indicated a manipulative, narcissistic personality type, uh, which mm -hmm. meant this was, I mean, this is common for uh, some of these types of murderers. But in this situation, there are survivors of these innocent people who had their lives cut short. And you can't put a price on giving those survivors closure. So I think it is yeah. a noble and important thing to pursue. Yeah, I agree. To that point, Wayne Williams is in prison right now because he was accused of and convicted of killing two adults. The two right. adults who are on the list, a 22-year-old and a 27-year-old. So that, you know, that's one of the primary reasons people look at the case and go, wait, why? Why is he in jail for all of those kids then? Mm -hmm. um, you have to look deeper and deeper into the case and look at the in each individual victim. And, you know, there are some weird connections that I would say are a little out there, seem mm. like it couldn't be coincidence. Then there's but, you know, you never know. It could be absolute coincidence because there's not a ton of information to go on when you're looking at hard evidence that was presented in a court. Um, and that's why this stuff is so interesting, I think. And in my opinion, I'll go ahead and say this. In my opinion, Wayne Williams is not guilty of all of the crimes that are on that list all the murders and abductions and terrible things Agreed. that are on the official list and there are still people out there somewhere some of whom may still be alive who had something to do with this uh, at least of one victim or more yeah there's a possibility of a couple of genres of cover-up right um, mm -hmm. because again it's the problem is these are presented as all-or-nothing stories the real world is not an all or nothing thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Very few things are that clear cut. So I think, what, there were 30 cases, at least two dozen uh, involved children between the ages of seven and 17. So the, yes. two that, the two that Williams was convicted of, they don't fit the profile of whomever was doing this if it were indeed a single killer. Uh, one of the tragically plausible cover-up theories is the idea that APD at the time just closed out a bunch of cases when they found someone that they could pin them on just to, just to keep their numbers good and to alleviate public, uh, public panic. And the reason that's plausible is because there have been proven cases where that happened in the past, you know, in other precincts. Yeah. 
Like they want to close these cases out and it can be hard to walk away from a scapegoat. None of which makes Wayne Williams a good person, to be clear. No, no, absolutely not. Um, But it does it does mean that there may have been some child exploitation rings, like groups of people that were that were active and were a part of this. That's a possibility. There is also a possibility that's explored in the podcast of some um, white supremacist groups or individuals who were part of this. So knowing that that this DNA is being searched for and retested is, is great. I'm so glad that it's happening. I'm excited that it's happening. What do you think the best case scenario is? Like, what could this lead to? There's be, there being so many possibilities. I mean, do you really think this is a road to like a definitive answer, like a singular identity or just uh, the opening of some more doors perhaps? I, I think it's hopefully an opening to multiple doors uh, because again, it's exactly what Ben said. Each individual child and case within the larger case should be examined on its own. And, you know, the connections to a possible serial killer are there in some of them, in many of them, but not in all of them. And I'm just best case scenario is that this DNA gets tested and it leads to someone completely different that that was on the radar of investigators at the time. But that person was just, you know, chosen not to be looked at further uh, or, you know, craziest scenario, there's DNA that's linked to somebody who was prominent with, either mm-hmm. within the investigation or, you know, within the city at the time. Well, it certainly could make more plausible one of these other theories, mm-hmm. perhaps. Like if yeah. it's something that's connected to maybe something that would have been considered fringe, it could mm-hmm. really quickly reel that in from the fringe areas. Or it comes back and it's and it's him, you know, and it's mm-hmm. Wayne Williams. Or it could lead to... Uh, someone who is alive, who gets implicated with DNA evidence of one of these murders, and they talk to investigators. I think that's yeah. one of, like, Williams is intransigent right now, stubborn, uh, and and not forthcoming with information. But to me, one of the best case scenarios would be if they find someone, whether prominent or not, as you said, Matt, and that person is alive, is lucid, and starts talking about what they believe really happened or what their involvement was. Because then that goes from a snail's pace of a closed mm-hmm. case to a, like a watershed of revelations. Dude, that was a snail's pace to a closed case. Dude, that's Sorry, write that yeah. down. Write that uh, down. That's really good. Uh, here's the best part, you guys. There are at least two cases in which DNA was able to be new DNA samples were able to be extracted and they've been sent off for testing. So we'll find something out within a month's time. So a couple of weeks from now, uh, hopefully. And, um, Oh, what was the other thing? They expanded the timeline out back in time to 1970 and forward in time to 1985. Well, after Wayne Williams was in prison, just to see if there are any additional victims that were not caught and ever put on a list or never even considered victims because they had a suspect in jail. So all of that, all of that stuff, there's a, there's new life to this case now. And hopefully a few of these family members of these victims will get the like, Closest thing that you can get to closure, which is just knowing what the hell happened. And not to interrupt, but that's that is one of the ever present theories, right, Matt? Ever since the arrest of Williams, one of the theories was that there were child murders that continued and that simply weren't 
treated with the same amount of publicity. Is that correct? Yes. And or that happened well before the list was begun. Um, so th- there's so much controversy around all of that stuff. Uh, listen to the show if you haven't yet. It's it's worth your time. I want you guys to know that I called the APD and talked to somebody. There's an officer right now that is looking to give us some updates. So when anything comes through, we'll find out. And if it's worth it, we'll let you know. I think that's it for now. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with more strange news. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back with more strange news. This is um. (laughs) This is a story that I think has probably been on everybody's radar, perhaps to an obnoxious degree, uh, in that it has certainly overshadowed some of the things we talked about at the top of the show, like these floods. (laughs) 
and these uh, horrific world events and, you know, escalation of, of the COVID-19 Delta variant and, you know, people's poor behavior in that regard and, and, uh, and you know, wildfires and the like. Uh, but the news cycle for the last several months, it seems like, has been somewhat dominated by billionaires in space. Yay. Look, I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade here, but I think it goes without saying that these come off as a bit of an act of uh, of vanity, these kind of vanity projects. We're like, okay, you're a billionaire, you want to... Start a new industry. Let's call it space tourism. Or you just want to, like, you know, make history by being the first, you know, civilian in space. Cool. So what does that do? Bezos, I think, was the first one to really talk about it. And then kind of coming out of the uh, the wings here, we've got Richard Branson, the billionaire that we kind of all forgot about. He used to be a much more high-profile billionaire. Comes in and says, nope, I got you beat, uh, Bezos. And he goes up there first. So now we have Bezos, and he's accomplished this thing that he set out to accomplish in his intensely phallic uh, Blue Origin space uh, ship rocket. Guys. That's I. This is my first. Honestly, I've been not looking at it on purpose. It's comical, um, Matt. I, it's oh, comical. Yeah. Well, I watched a. I watched the new John uh, John Stewart show trailer that they put out. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and they the whole joke was that mm-hmm. they looked like, but I'm just seeing it for the first time when you said it looks phallic. No, it does, yeah. <laughs> oh <phallic>. my god, <laughs> it looks like the. Uh, rocket ship that Dr. Evil shoots out of his uh, Dr. Evil shaped mountain or volcano mm-hmm. in, in the Austin Powers movie. <laughs> so uh, much like it, you have to wonder whether it was a purposeful decision. Also, <laughs> I got to point out, like I, I said this on an earlier segment, they got into quote unquote space. Oh, no, well, of course, and we'll get to all that. We're going to get to all that. Uh, and by the way, Bezos, kind of a dead ringer for Dr. Evil, uh, if I'm not um, putting too fine a point on it. Mean words have done a lot of good work on that one. It's true. Yeah, a lot of yeah. good memes. Literally, there's a whole sequence from from Austin Powers where it's like all these people saying, look, it's a giant. And then it cuts to another person <laughs> saying, where are you going with that? Well, look at that crazy. Pe-. You know, like uh, it's a whole like cut away thing where every word is another word, you know, stand in word for penis, but it's unrelated. And, it's, and then it all ultimately comes back around to them saying another stand in word for penis. Did you see the look, Dr. Evil laugh? Well, that's the thing, uh, Ben. Uh, Jeff Bezos uh, went up to, to quote unquote, let's call it subspace, shall we? Um, subspace with his brother. Uh, and some other people, we'll get to the other people because there's some, there's some actually really interesting stuff in there that I think didn't kind of got buried, but uh, there's, they're doing a post-mortem thing with him, some reporter, and, and they ask Jeff Bezos, well, he's wearing a cowboy hat, by the way, and nobody calls him a space cowboy, I guarantee. No one's ever called him that. He took that role on, upon himself. Um, neither did anyone call Steve Miller that. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive, but they ask him, so, Jeff Bezos, uh, did uh, your trip out into space make you uh, want to push forth further into the cosmos. And he goes, hell yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like the most quintessential evil guy laugh you've ever heard in your life. And and all the while his brother is doing this thing where he's smushing his face, like like showing him what it's like to be in the zero. But when you take it out of context and in the hands of people like, who's that guy? Uh, Berger, Vic Berger, who works with like Tim and Eric and makes all these amazing news footage. It's, It's just, it's like the jokes write themselves. But here we are. 
Jeff Bezos has done this thing. One of the people he brought into space who I thought was really, really cool and not being talked about enough was a woman named Wally Funk, who was a would-be astronaut, let's say. She already had an, an incredible story. She like uh, was in, some, was in a, a terrible accident when she was very young, and she had a debilitating spinal injury. Um, she was told she would never walk again. It was a skiing accident, by the way. She was told she would never walk again, and by the age of 17, she essentially was rehabilitating herself to the point of not only being able to walk again, but actually becoming an expert pilot. She got her pilot's license at age 17 and uh, logged something in the neighborhood of like 20,000 flying hours. She taught more than 3,000 people to fly. um, And she essentially was one of the early people that was very close to getting into the space program. Um, She excelled at all of the tests, you know, because in, you know, early astronauts were, pilots or there were people from from the air force um and she was essentially denied uh denied being a part of some of the early pilot space programs uh the mercury 13 i believe was the name of this group this cohort uh the uh, flats as they refer to themselves as the first lady astronaut trainees um and this is a story kind of like the what was it called hidden figures the story of the women that uh, were very very much responsible for helping develop some of the algorithms and some of the you know science and um, physics behind getting into space that that story was kind of buried this was somewhat buried too um and they were essentially blocked from going into space because of their gender so Look, I'm not trying to uh, crap on Bezos too much. I mean, I, I think it was probably a noble gesture. Feels a little on the PR side, knowing that it, how people are going to talk about this billionaire going into space is like a vanity project. And not to mention his t- total Dr. Evil demeanor and the fact that he says things like, thanks to all the Amazon customers for paying for all this. Like, OK, not very good at reading the room, but cool that he did this for Wally Funk. But here's the story. The actual story that I'm here to talk about today is not to just rehash this billionaire in space. It's the fact that on the day of Jeff Bezos' space flight, uh, the FAA issued a, a new guideline uh, changing the what it takes to be officially classified as an astronaut. Um, it's changing it in just such a way that everything that Bezos and his other, uh, you know, people who accompanied him uh, did not qualify to be astronauts. Uh, feels like it was pretty, the timing's pretty fortuitous. I think they're sort of predicting this future of, uh, of, of space tourism and, you know, want to kind of set the record straight or get, get everything, all their ducks in a row early on before we just have like a gazillion astronauts in the same way that we have so many people now trying to, you know, scale Mount Everest. It's definitely inevitable. But um, the most important criteria that the uh, FAA changed was um, that they demonstrated, this is one that they actually did meet, demonstrated flight beyond 50 statute miles above the surface of the earth as flight crew on an FAA slash AST licensed or permitted launch or reentry vehicle. They they got that one. I think it was around 63 miles above sea level. Um, and here's the one that I think really... There's a wrench in the works. Uh, demonstrated activities during the flight that were essential to public safety or contributed to human spaceflight safety. Okay. Well, what does that mean exactly? Uh, I think the issue is that it's up to the FAA to determine exactly what that means. But uh, since this was not a, a, a crude mission per se, um, this was an automated mission. Like the the whole 
ship, everything about it was completely automated. So there was nobody, quote unquote, piloting this uh, this vessel. Um, and then another of the revised eligibility requirements was in order to maintain the prestige of commercial space astronaut wings, it's like what pilots get not the ones they give to little kids. Uh, the FAA may further refine the eligibility requirements at any time as it deems appropriate. Uh, any updates of the eligibility will be recorded as a revision to this document. Um, yeah, so th- there is a whole other category about like honorary awards. So there could be individuals whose contribution to commercial human space flights merits special recognition. The Associate Administrator for Commercial Space Transportation has total discretion regarding identifying and bestowing FAA honorary award of uh, commercial space astronaut wings to individuals who demonstrated extraordinary contribution or beneficial service to the commercial human spaceflight industry, which I would argue, you know, Bezos certainly did. But an astronaut, he is not. There you go. I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think this is the FAA giving the middle finger to billionaires? Is it them trying to protect their turf? Uh, to to stay relevant, um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I don't know. It, it does feel like it's ugh, God. You guys don't be mad at me. It feels like it's really popular to crap on these guys right now. <laughs> I'm not these billionaires. Uh, yeah, I'm not uh, mad at you, Matt. Uh, I, they're easy and I targets. I I don't mean in you know what they're doing is super cool, but you know people like Bernie Sanders when they respond, you know, with it's it's the same argument that's always been there. Billionaires kind of not flaunting their money necessarily in this way, but a little bit while a lot of the world suffers on an individual level, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to, to make even the most eager means work for them. So, you know, I, I get it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it is cool. But at the same time, I could see why the FAA would want to be like, guys, come on, you're, you're not astronauts. Well, mm-hmm. I, I read the, uh, I read the actual guidelines that the FAA put out there. They're, it's not a super long document. It's like four or mm-hmm. five pages, but it's, it's freely available online. And it has, it has some of the stuff Noel was talking about. The, That's what I was reading from. Yeah. It has the uh, honorary awards as well. Revising eligibility requirements. That's the, that's the uh, big one that also this is something they doubled down on. When they change this definition, they also baked in there a line where they say, we can change this again at any time, which I, I only imagine, you know, some of the Bezoses of the world reading that and thinking, okay, they can move the goalpost if they wish. But to your point about, Matt, about the quote unquote picking on these billionaires, you know, the, the contradictory argument, to be fair, is something along the lines of uh, they're employing lots of people by this this new private space race. Uh, they're uh, at least laying the groundwork for technological breakthroughs. But with the FAA's idea of public safety, I tend to agree with you guys. It's, it's kind of like the idea of what is inappropriate or obscene, you know, one of those, I know it when I see it kind of things. So this, while it's difficult to divine motivations unless they're clearly stated, the timing of it definitely feels purposeful, right? The timing of it, the fact that it's a short document instead of something that obviously took years to make. I'd love to hear from, uh, I'd love to hear from Wayne R. Monteith, the associate Mm -hmm. administrator who signed this or, you know, made this official. I'd like to hear what his motivation is. You know, was this something that they had already had in the works when they learned about this plan? Or was this like a holy smokes? 
let's get this out right now so that these guys cannot call themselves billionaire astronauts. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not completely sure, but this, we know that the commercial space astronauts wing program already existed, right? It's, it's been around before this leg of the space race. I think that they're protecting the legacy of it all, right? Well, again, Wally Funk is part of that. Um, she was denied the uh, designation of astronaut during a time where, you know, despite all of the hard work she and her uh, colleagues from, you know, the Mercury 13 put in, they were denied specifically for being uh, the wrong gender, you know, for the time. Uh, it wasn't until 1978 that, that women were allowed into the space program. Uh, so I, I kind of think what they're doing is less of a, you know, middle finger to the billionaires and more of just like a protecting the legacy and the people who actually put in that hard work under really difficult circumstances. Because, okay, yes, did Jeff Bezos work really hard to become the richest man in the universe sure um but did he work really hard to become an astronaut quote unquote in the same way that like a neil armstrong did or like uh you know a wally funk or a buzz aldrin or these luminaries of the past um that really put their necks on the line too when it was super scary to do that and when it was really untested it to me feels like a sort of like a protection against some rich bozo waltzing in and just say oh i'm the same i'm the same as all of you he's not the same as all of them I would argue. Wouldn't they be able to qualify if they did something that would, by contribute to public safety or safer space flights, what I take that to mean is conducting experiments and or making discoveries Mm -hmm. that will up chances, not necessarily of survival on that flight, but will, in hard terms, up the chances of survival on flights that come after, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I think they're going, and they're saying... It seems like in a, in a fairly dry way, I, I'd agree, I tend to agree about protecting a legacy here, but it seems like in a fairly dry way, they're also saying, you just went to space, you just went to quote unquote space for a little more than 10, 10 minutes or so, and you didn't really do anything to help other people while you were up there or to help other you know astronauts or later flights. Is that what they're saying now, it did Blue Origin, do we know, know whether Blue Origin conducted experiments or took data <laughs> of some sort? From my understanding, it, it, the only experiments they conducted were like tossing Skittles into each other's mouths and and just kind of like laughing about it. And, uh, you know, they looked out the window. No, I do not believe they conducted any experiments. It was a very short journey. You know, I think it would require a little, little more of an ISS situation or more of like a you know, being up there for a while to have the opportunity to do that. I don't think that was in the cards. And in fact, the Branson space flight was actually labeled as a test flight. Um, so, yeah, and the, or the, the rocket, by the way, is called the New Shepard. Blue Origin is the company, um, Bezos' space company. And apparently these uh, phallic rockets have been around for a while. I think this was just the most high-profile kind of unveiling of this uh, rocket where everyone kind of all at the same time was like, oh, I know what that looks like. Um, and, you know, most rockets are kind of inherently phallic in nature, but this one literally has like a, a thing on the end that really uh, sells the image. Yeah. I think it's just such dope technology because they're doing the same thing. Blue Origin is doing the same thing for, uh, SpaceX is doing where they're sending up rockets that can then come back down and land on their own without any human intervention. Well, without any direct human intervention or whatever you want to call it, piloting. Um, that's super cool. Just from a, an ability to send things up into space if we need to on any scale, that's awesome. I mean, wouldn't uh, that be public safety? 
uh, a contribution to public safety in spaceflight. I mean, also they're reusable. That's kind of hard yeah. to sneeze at. That's amazing. Yeah. And and that capsule came back down. It was good to go. Same thing with Virgin Galactic, man. Theirs is shaped much more like a shuttle, just with a kind of a weird frilly back end. They refer to uh, that one as a space plane, actually. Which yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. It's a term I've well, never heard before. Because it takes off. The, the whole system takes off as a plane, gets up to a certain altitude, then the rocket detaches and it goes up further. And then That's the plane lands. Wild. And then that thing comes back down like a shuttle and lands. Again, like the kid in me, is super excited about all that tech and innovation. Uh, it's just the billionaire part is pretty sticky. Yeah, 690 million people have ongoing food insecurity, a.k.a. starvation. Uh, but but the idea, again, is, is an argument of greater good combined with, hey, it's their money. What, who's to stop them from doing what they want? They're not breaking any laws. Right. And it's true. They're not doing anything illegal in this endeavor. No, but, they're, they're not. They're not. They're not. But I guess you know. it's the power and the symbols we see. Yeah. Right. You know, like like the way you would have. Um, what's the law called when people pretend that they're veterans to try to get perks stolen honor or something? Is there like a that? word for that? I mean, that sounds it's great. A phrase. If that's yeah. not uh, it, that should something be it. valor. Still, yeah, stolen yeah, valor. Stolen mm-hmm. valor. That's it. Thank you, Matt. I mean, I think applying that to, I, I think maybe there's a, some similar idea here, which is don't don't say that you are a uh, part of this tremendous legacy in this way, you know. Uh, and I I think that's an accurate argument. But if I were one of these people, I think if any of us were one of these people, and we really wanted to wear non honorary astronaut wings that bad. Uh, then the next immediate question is, okay, what do you want me to do? What FAA-approved experiments or contributions can we explicitly agree on, and then I will do those? You know what I mean? That seems the only way that they couldn't just change the definition mm-hmm. the next time you're 11 minutes away from your email or whatever. Well, I, I think I think it, it's also like they really are just kind of predicting the future of space travel and getting the terms in order now early. Right. There's a really good uh, article about this on NBC News um, written by uh, Denise Chow and Denise Chow um, interviews a space historian and author named Andrew Chaikin or Chaikin. Um, and he has a really interesting way of summing this up. And I think we can leave it with this. Um, I like the term space traveler. He says, anybody who flies in space, whatever their capacity is a space traveler in years to come, people might go up to space, not for science, but just for a requirement to do their job. Maybe it's a manager of an orbiting hotel. I don't know that you would call that person an astronaut, but you would call them a space traveler. There you go. You should definitely watch that. Uh, promo for the problem with John Stewart. It's worth <laughs> yes. it if you've enjoyed any of this conversation. You know, in fact, let's pause for word from our sponsor to give everybody a chance to check it out. Here, here. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff shady subscriptions did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase but then you found yourself subscribed yeah i had to call and stop payment on something because i had subscribed to it through apple pay and even though i had like put a new card on there it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my apple pay so i had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled 
It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or... Check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. And we have returned. We promised you something uh, terrifying or, or warned you about something terrifying. And here it is. Uh, first, I'm well aware that many of our fellow listeners today are undergoing what I would call COVID fatigue. You've heard about it so much in the news. Uh, it has altered your life, whether or not. You got vaccinated, whether or not you were infected with COVID-19 prime, I'll call it, (laughs) Amazon, Amazon's in my head, or uh, one of the many variants that are proliferating across the planet as we speak. There's a new problem in town, and it's one that's been rumored for a while. I'll give you the headlines, give you the rough ins and outs of it, uh, and then I'd love to, I'd love to get uh, Matt and all you all's thoughts, as well as you, fellow conspiracy realist. So you probably know someone who contracted COVID. Uh, they may have had serious, even fatal symptoms. They may have been asymptomatic and only found out that they were infected after they received a test that indicated antibodies in their system. But you, know, at this point, you know someone who contracted COVID or variants somehow And you may have watched your loved ones discover the unique nature of how this virus affected them. You know, some people say, I have a shortness of breath. Some people are experiencing 
what we've now come to call long COVID, right? And long COVID would be uh, symptoms or problems that continue after the infection has left someone's body. And that still, those are still things like shortness of breath, maybe lethargy, and so on. Uh, there are, as we record today, there's still tons of studies being conducted to figure out exactly what your life is going to look like, you know, 20, 30 years down the line after you've been infected with COVID or a COVID variant. And there's a new study that just got published in The Lancet or in a journal of, of The Lancet called eClinical Medicine. Don't let the dry, very unsexy name fool you. This is important. The findings suggest that COVID can produce substantial reductions in cognitive ability. It seems to be lasting, and it seems to be in step with the severity of the illness on the individual basis. Another scary thing about this, I found out about it pretty much by coincidence. The lead researcher, a guy named Adam Hampshire, was doing a, he was collecting a large scale set of mental and cognitive health data as part of something called the Great British Intelligence Test. And this, so I, I want to pause here, so I'm not monologuing, but you guys, we all know someone who contracted COVID, right? Do we know anybody who's, who experienced serious symptoms? No, I mean, like I said, I, I tested positive for the COVID antibody. I don't really know when I got it, um, but I apparently did. And um, I, I've known quite a few people who've gotten it with varying degrees of uh, symptoms. I have a very good friend who was probably the most careful of anyone that I know, never left his house, him and his partner, he and his partner, uh, must have gotten it from going to the grocery store one time or from literally taking a walk down the street and passing through a cloud of aerosolized COVID uh, or aerosolized, you know, breath from maybe a, a, a jogger or something like that. Literally, just we've, we've gone round and round. It's like, what could it have been? Yeah, there, there's somebody just close in my personal sphere who experienced long COVID, I suppose you would say, uh, lingering effects of, of the infection. Mm, yeah, and let's keep them in our thoughts as well as everybody else who is currently fighting off the virus that causes COVID. Here's what happened in the study that Adam Hampshire was going to be conducting anyway. It's very important to know that. He didn't set off to find this. The test is composed of a series of tasks that are designed to measure just different dimensions of cognitive ability. Think like a less biased IQ test. We should probably also do an episode on the IQ test at some point. But while they were conducting this test, it tests things like, you know, quantitative intelligence, memory retention, short-term stuff, you know, like remember these seven numbers or something. Just by the way, seven is one of the uh, easy numbers of digits for people to remember, which is why phone numbers in the U.S. minus the area code are seven digits. If you ever think about that, it's it's easy for our brains to work with them. Nice. But we don't we don't need to remember phone numbers now, right? We've got nine one one and then one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Those are the only two numbers that anyone in America bothers to remember today. That's right. And you could just put it in your phone and just call it STD. <laughs> yeah. And then your yeah. your parents or whoever you hang out uh -huh. with will go, um, sorry, why do you have STD in your phone? And why why do you call so much? <laughs> they'll be like, you have a mysterious, enigmatic, and adventurous life. You, my friend, are dangerous. Uh, well, 
it's funny, we can talk about memory later because uh, this does apply to this conversation. I bet that those of us in the crowd today who are old enough to remember the time before ubiquitous smartphones, mobile devices, I bet you probably remember phone numbers from your ancient past. Like you probably remember your parents' home phone number, even if you have a smartphone. Uh, if you don't remember your parents' number, memorize it now, just in case. You probably remember like friends you had when you were growing up before you were allowed to have smartphones. I don't know what age kids get them now, but the idea- Dude, I just yeah. remembered my, seriously, in mm -hmm. you saying that, my friend, my like school age young friend that I grew up with, mm -hmm. that number just flashed for my eyes and I- have not thought about it since elementary school. Holy crap. That was yeah. amazing, Ben. Sorry. Oh, no. That, your brain is amazing uh, because it's it, it kept it. How? What an amazing organ. Our brains are hoarders of information, and they should be. Some part of your brain was like, we should keep that just in case. <laughs> just, <laughs> don't throw it away just yet. You never know. But, uh, but of course, we won't say the number on air, but I, I'm sure nope. you remember it explicitly. So what this... What happened is while Hampshire is gathering this information, some of his colleagues, he says, contacted him during this time to say, hey, this is also a golden opportunity to figure out how the pandemic and COVID-19 may or may not be affecting mental health and cognition. And he had been thinking about this, so he wanted to help as much as he could. So he put an extension onto the study to include information about COVID-19. They talked with a lot of people, over 80,000, 81,337 participants. Uh, and they, these folks did the tests between January and December of 2020. Of the entire sample, there were 12,689 individuals who said they had experienced COVID-19 with some degree of respiratory severity. That sounds like a small number, and it is, but we have to remember this is January and December, and so things were still a little bit different. The situation was evolving, and what they found is spooky because they said, all right, we've controlled for all the other intervening variables, age, sex, whether they're right or left-handed or ambidextrous, what language they speak, how much education they have, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. And after accounting for all of that, getting the best baseline they could, they found that people who contracted COVID-19 tended to underperform on this intelligence test compared to people who had not contracted the virus. The biggest deficits were on tasks that required planning, problem solving, and reasoning. And this goes into one of the other symptoms of long COVID that people have reported, which they called brain fog. Mm. And I, 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 I know that, that I know yeah. that symptom well. I mean, <laughs> did, did you have it? Well, no, hopefully not COVID related, but it's just, yeah. you know, I call it the Mondays. Um, but no, yeah, no, I, I, I can totally imagine what it might be. It's just sort of like a, a bit of a haze, not being able to connect the dots, you know, and in, in your day-to-day problem-solving difficulty, I imagine. Um, stop me if I'm way off base, but that just, that's a pretty, pretty great name for something I think we can all understand. Well, yeah, I, I wonder how common that is just in this era of anyone who has gone, you know, lived through as an adult, the quarantine process and the pandemic in general. I wonder... I, I would, I would, if I was being asked, I would say, yeah, I'm experiencing a lot of brain fog mm -hmm. lately. Um, and I would probably attribute it 
to all of that, just feeling not normal, I guess, as as much of the past year and a half or so has been not normal. So everything feels weird. Anyway, I, I, but I can totally see why that brain fog. I Again, the person I'm close to that experienced this reported that exact symptom while they were dealing with the like the immediate post COVID effects. I see. And, and, you know, you don't have to have COVID. You guys are raising an excellent point. You don't have to have COVID to experience something like brain fog because during the pandemic, a lot of the routines that people use to define the passage of time are removed. I would be surprised if there was anybody who experienced the lockdown and always remembered what day it is. <laughs> because the peak behind the curtain, as we say on this show, there there were months where I I just knew what day it was based on whether or not I was recording with these yeah, guys. Dude. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, yep. And uh, you know, if I wasn't recording, then it was just a day where I did email. And then planning <laughs> things, I would have to go back in my head and say, okay, we're recording then. So that is definitely a Monday. Well, yeah, but even email, you got, look, I, I may be just saying too much here, but even email, I remember moments where I sat and looked at my email for way too long, like a single draft, just going, I think I know what I want to say here mm -hmm. and then try and write it. And just not be happy with it. And then just, I, anyway, I'm just. Oh, well, then you end up with all those like drafts and like, or like half finished tabs open. And then it just starts to get a little bit out of control. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there too. Mm. We just, we, we had a lost time of, mm. of brain fogs. It's true. It's true. It reminds me of the kind of, there was something almost ghost-like about that existence. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the film, The Others where in the, the protagonists are, are moving through this world that they do not quite understand, uh, and then the passage of time becomes unclear. Don't want to spoil it, but it's a good show. Uh, this, okay, so this is kind of terrifying because it means that even if you have done your absolute best, you've done everything right, you could still somehow get infected by this thing, and depending on the severity, you could experience as much as a seven-point drop in your intelligence as measured in terms of IQ. This doesn't seem fair. Of course, life is not known for being particularly fair, but still, it seems like a it seems like a crappy deal, doesn't it? I looked into I looked into more of this because I wanted to check out the methodology of the study. And if you are currently scared or a little bit spooked out by this, and you should be, uh, then keep listening because we're going to we're going to take apart some parts of this. And also, let's just keep in mind this is one study. There's, there's, there's going to be lots of studies into this. You know, there's probably another study uh, equally as scientifically um, rigorous that says something that's the complete opposite. You know, so I mean, let's not get too terrified or shaking in our boots about, oh, God, I had COVID or somebody I know has COVID. And that means they're going to gradually become brain dead over time. Like, I don't think that's what anyone's saying or. No. Yeah, no, no, not at all. To say something like that, we would need better longitudinal tests. We would need monitoring over a, a much longer span of time. So when people who uh, were in their 30s, when the pandemic struck, when they're maybe in their 60s or 70s, right, then we can 
have enough information to look back and see whether a correlation exists over the long term, which sounds like I'm throwing a lot of gobbledygook at you. But the, the point is that you should, the point is remain calm, chins up, don't panic yet. Let's bust some holes in this study as well. So what did I say? Eight, 81,337 participants. 12,689 said they had COVID with some degree of respiratory severity. So there were other people who were probably asymptomatic. They didn't know it. Maybe they didn't get tested. There was a very small subset of people, only 275 people, who did the intelligence test both before and after contracting Mm. COVID-19. So the study mostly employed what is called a cross-sectional methodology. This is this is the right thing to do in this case, as long as we remember it limits your ability to draw solid conclusions about cause and effect. So this is a large sample size for initial research, but we have to ask ourselves whether there are other factors working in tandem with this loss of intelligence. Also, we could be getting a bit of a false positive with the idea of contracting COVID leading to lower intelligence because there might be people who were more uh, who, who were more likely to read in depth about things like the importance of social distancing or quarantining, right? You could make you could make an argument. I'm not making this. I don't think any of us are making this argument, but you could make an argument that there was uh, some sort of factor there that the study is not not designed, right, to understand. But what this means to me, and I hope, I, I think you guys will agree, but what this means to me is that there are, there's potential for long-term effects of COVID that we do not know yet, that we do not understand. Uh, and you can find, unfortunately, no shortage of anecdotes from people who are saying, yeah, I've got the antibodies. COVID is out of my system, but now I'm experiencing long COVID. The infection left, but the symptoms remained. Studies are still happening on this. Uh, you know, the idea that you still have fatigue, that you still have you know, brain fog, cough, chest, stomach pain, headaches that come and go, and of course, difficulty breathing. We don't know yet. We don't know how much of that is directly related to COVID versus a person's pre-existing lifestyle. We don't know how much of that is related to uh, the trauma, the psychological trauma of surviving a pandemic, the physical trauma of surviving a disease. And at this point, we're not going to know until more research is done. If that is, uh, you believe the science and the direction it's heading in now is the right one, you know? Um and I, I'm lucky to say, like, I know several people who have experienced COVID. Uh, luckily, none to ventilator level. Uh, but we have a colleague uh, who was tremendously safe to the utmost degree. And after, you know, this person's pod got vaccinated, they all got together for a celebration, for a holiday. And they were all either vaccinated or had previously had COVID and gotten to the other side of it, or so they thought. Because of this very small gathering, maybe 10 or so people, 50% of them, including our friend, contracted this infection. So it's, it's nothing to play with, especially because we don't know the symptoms yet. But it does appear that there may be 
long-term cognitive consequences. Well, and That's thankfully, the in the situation you're describing, the symptoms were practically non-existent. I mean, there there were some very minor symptoms. There was some loss of taste and smell, some of the ones that, you know, got, got a lot of press, but uh, really no, nothing debilitating, nothing, of course, nothing along the lines of ventilator or hospitalization. But um, it does appear that the vaccine still protects you against symptoms, extreme symptoms, even from the variant. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Pfizer in particular is all about the possibility of a third booster shot. Uh, Hopefully that's because the science is there. Also, Pfizer is a private entity, so it's not like they're doing it for free. But lest we get too cynical, we want to hear your stories. Uh, We want, I I particularly would like to hear about people's own experiences. If you, if you are a loved one, have COVID or it doesn't have to be someone you love. If it's someone you know, and they had COVID, did, uh, did anyone experience this brain fog? Did it seem like there was a time limit on it? In other words, did the fog seem to disperse? You know what I mean? Several weeks or several months after you were on the other side of COVID. And if not, what other effects have you experienced? What do you think about the ongoing debate over astronauts and billionaires in space? What do you think we may learn about the Wayne Williams case? Uh, We'd love to hear from you. We try to make it easy to find us online. That's right. You can find us on the internet. We're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. And we're on YouTube, all under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, where we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. And while you're on the internet, do us a solid and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people discover the show, and it just means a lot to us. Uh, It's a twofold kind of approach. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, and if you want to call us, We got this great phone number. Ben mentioned it already. It's 1-833-STDWYTK. Give us a call. Give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your name, whatever it is, and your message on the air. You have three minutes. Use them however you wish. Those three minutes are yours. If you've got more to share than that three minutes worth of voice message, we highly recommend you use our email address. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.